podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic State of Mind. It is a happy Monday. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted to be joined by Colin Watt. And a big welcome back to Laura Bradburn. How great is it to see Laura back on the show there, Colin? Uh, it's fantastic. I'm sure there'll be lots of musical discussion. This could be the new Thursday. We could be Listen. talking lots of music, but uh, Boyzone, Westlife, 911 maybe. We'll, we'll see what was Ali Beggs? What was Ali Beggs band called again? Oh, I can't even remember. Right. <laughs> Answers what, what in the comments. Oh, definitely no. And by the way, there is a Celtic link because Ali used to be on Celtic TV. Northern Lights or something like that, maybe? I don't know. I've, I don't even know who Ali Beggs is. I, I still think people think I'm older than I actually am. But you like a bit of the old kind of 90s boy band stuff, eh? I mean, oh, 100%. I'm watching you and Kev do that Oasis series thinking, right, uh, Westlife have had, what, like 10 albums at this point, maybe more? There's like a series to do out of that. Bad Boys Inc. Ah. Wow. Bad Boys Inc. Right. Let's talk about the Bad Boys Inc. Then, Laura, you are not happy today at one element of what happened after the game yesterday. There's been a a, a few bad vibes on the socials. Listen, in your I, view, I'm I'm more than delighted to talk about you know another victory, and there's plenty of positives to take out of that, and we will do. But just to get the negatives out of the way at the front, all these. Has-beens and folk I forget existed coming up, uh, tagging themselves like a woe is me on social media to say, yeah, we earned it as well. Namely, uh, Maurice Yentz and uh, George Oshiakimakis, who are the, the biggest culprits. Juranovic, uh, I think, got a bit unfairly dragged into it. He seems like a thoroughly good-natured guy who actually has congratulated players that stuck around. But I just have a bit of an issue with some players... <sighs> Try to act as though the clubs forgot about them when they were either not good enough to be here or didn't want to be here and didn't want to stick it out. And it's it's as simple as that. If you didn't want to be here, you don't deserve the plaudits over the players who did want to be here and who stuck out to the end. And I include, you know, Leo Labada might want to leave at the end of the season. There might be various others, but he deserves the plaudits for winning the league that he's won. And that's that's the top and bottom of it. And I don't think sitting on your socials in whatever destination you've ended up in, for whatever reason you've ended up there, talking about how you deserve plaudits for for a league win that you didn't earn, uh, is is just a bit leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. And I just think, I, I don't know, it's just not in keeping with the spirit of. I, I don't mind Juranovic so much. He's been congratulating people who achieved it. He's mm-hmm. not looking for his own plaudit. It's the other two. It's Hoddit and Doddit, as I would say. And it just shows you as well, as I said in the group chat this morning, it's either a massive coincidence that players with attitude problems can't find a club or that may be the problem and they might have to look in the mirror. Yeah, I mean, listen, if Marvin Comper was all over it, we'd all find the funny side of that because he was um, you know, contributing just as much when he was here as he has since he's gone. And it's always nice to see 
ex-players jumping on the socials, calling guys like Moussa Dembele, always very vocal about his support for Celtic. Matt Krosas, he's good on the socials mm. for, no. for uh, back in Celtic. But I get, I get Laura's point. And um, the big thing is, they guys will get a league winner's medal anyway, won't they? They'll get a nice wee presentation uh, box. Uh, They'll get the uh, they'll get the winner's medal, um, but yeah, after yesterday um, and actually all day yesterday, it was all about positivity. Um, other than that, we faux pas by hod it and dod it as uh, Laura has christened them. But I want to know because I was looking through some of the images that you were sharing, Colin. You obviously went up to Celtic Park after the victory. The mm-hmm. scenes were unbelievable. Talk us uh, through your own your own experience of the day. It was uh, it was unreal when you got there. Um, I watched the, the game and my friends. Uh, there was quite a few of us watching it, and the nerves. Even though the league was won, you were just kind of hoping that you'd done it yesterday. You wanted to get it wrapped up at that very first attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into the game itself, which I'm sure we'll cover in a bit more detail, I, I didn't think we were in particularly impressive yesterday. I do think there was there's been a sort of declining our uh, performances over the last couple of weeks but again we grinded it out we showed that champions winner mentality and got the 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 three points two great finishes from Kyogo and from O uh, and then it was straight up to Celtic Park and you know it was one of them things where you sort of like look down at your phone and maybe text to see who was coming then you looked up and 2,000 more people seemed to just turn up it was it was wild um, there was some that's great... how to celebrate a title, Colin. Yeah, that's absolutely. how to come together and in a community and celebrate. You know that that for me, when when we talk about the coming together of the uh, the team, the management, the players, the fans, yesterday that that's what you feel when you're in moments like that yesterday, and we know how to celebrate. And what was slightly different from last year. Last year, obviously, coming back from Dundee and heading straight to Celtic Park, it was like midnight, well past midnight by the time the players came out. There was a very impressive crowd there that time, but yesterday was easily twice as busy. And that makes sense. It's a a Sunday afternoon. It's a fantastic bank holiday, crowning the the coronation of Celtic, obviously. So it was nice of the the government to give us a bank holiday for that. Um, And... Yesterday, I, I kind of understood the whole Celtic family aspect of it. There was young kids, maybe a couple of months old there. There was families, generations of families going along. And we, we were kind of talking about how this is a relatively new thing. Like, yeah, okay, there used to be small crowds that would maybe go along after a title was wrapped up. But now everyone's enjoying being in that moment and enjoying the element of it. And I think right now it's the closest the fan base has ever felt to the club in a long, long time. But that that is, is the thing we were talking about during that barren season, Colin, you know, that there was a disengagement and you thought to yourself, how long is it going to take to bring that back together? How, how on earth are they going to galvanise it? I made the point last week, Laura, that, you know, you look at certain elements here, and we know there's been a, a huge amount of change, most notably in the personnel on the park, but you look at the backroom team and you're looking at people who were criticised in a big way during that barren season. John Kennedy never gets a mention now. Uh, Gavin Strachan's laptop never gets a mention. The board, which is largely the same board. Um, you know, we had a CEO departing, but he's back in a different role. And that's due to the fact that we've had one man coming in who has completely galvanised the whole show. You know, behind the scenes, on the park, 
and on the terracing. It's an incredible job he's done, not just for the team. Yeah, listen, I, I remember seeing at the time with Gavin Strachan's laptop that I think that showed the people who criticised that up for what they were, which was a bit kind of dinosaurs, if you want. Like, technology is a part of coaching and a part of the game, and uh, it's something that people need to get used to. It was never the problem, you know, so... Um, Again, as these things happen, people don't complain about things. We're not getting big demonstrations against the board at the moment because the team's doing well either. So it's just a case of um, not fair weather fans, but people being, if they're happy with what they see in the pitch, you can get a lot, a lot more of it. And that's always been the case. Um, and I think uh, Ange has been a massive part of that. So um, I... I He's changed the club, he's changed the attitude, he's changed the way the players interact with the fans, he's changed... I think he, he might have had a hand in saying to the board, listen, the fans don't want to listen to you, keep yourself a low profile, because all we heard throughout 2020 in that season was a board that had plenty to say for themselves, even though not none of us wanted to hear it. So the board is, is behaving in a more appropriate way. The players are behaving in a more appropriate way. The manager himself is leading that example, and I think that's something to be said. Absolutely. And um, we're just going to have a look at where we are, uh, because not that long ago, just a few weeks ago, actually, we were being told by prominent pundits, ex-players, um, Neil McCann, that Rangers could still win the treble, Kenny Miller, that the gap isn't too wide, right? We've been getting told all that kind of nonsense. Right? The bingo card coming back out, Paul. It's the bingo card. It's the famous Colin Watt bingo card. Yes, it is. Uh, what is bongo bingo, by the way? You ever heard of bongo bingo? Oh, aye. What aye. is that? I was getting told about it last week. It's like clubland meets bingo. Right. This is where Paul goes, Google clubland. Tell me um, what clubland is. <laughs> it's like a uh, sort of party night bingo with the sort of um, like dance like the sort of dancey music to put it down to your taste Paul the kind of stuff you wouldn't really listen to to be honest um, probably more something like Laura and I would listen to there's, there's no they don't throw the, the sort of Andy stuff in there um, and it's just basically a it's like a nightclub with a bingo in it wow and it is, yeah. and it's very popular. Anyway, I'm not quite yeah. sure how we got into that. That was your bingo card, Colin. Fifty third Scottish League title, one hundred and fifteenth major honour, which includes the big one, which is why the Celtic jerseys have a star above the crest. Uh, we also won the Coronation Cup in 1953. I thought I'd throw that one in. We're going for a new points and new. Um, goals scored record that's in sight if we continue in this vein of form. It's the 17th title, right, in 23 years since Martin O'Neill took over at Celtic. That is astonishing, by the way. It's the 11th title in 12 years. We're heading towards the 8th treble. Now, we've heard about Colin's experience of that. Anybody who tunes into Axon knows that I was watching it um, live whilst obviously commenting before, during and after the game. Laura, how did you enjoy yesterday's experience? Uh, it was it was very um it was a strange one because it was it was like you kind of knew it was coming. You you felt like it was it wasn't gonna go into Ibrooks. It definitely wasn't, but uh, you kind of thought Tynecastle's a place that it could you could slip up and the way that hearts came out and were at it and 
I'll give Stephen Naismith his due, which I'm loath to do, but I will. Um, he definitely had the right attitude um, in terms of he even came out before the game and said, you know, that we're the strongest team in the country. We're going to have the biggest impact on the way that opposition plays against us. And he definitely set his team out to try and um, attack us because I think he saw that that is where we're most vulnerable. We're not vulnerable to teams who bank in and sit in. We are vulnerable to teams who um, who try and attack us and exploit where our weakest point is, which is probably our defence. Um, and I say that knowing how well we have been, how well we've performed this season, but you had Kobe Ashi in there who's still relatively inexperienced in a Celtic shirt. You had Ralston in there instead of Johnston. He saw those two vulnerabilities and he thought, I'll, I'll, I'll go for those. But the thing I'm enjoying most about this Celtic team and about the, the victory yesterday was no matter how badly we play, no matter how poorly we start domestically anyway, there's never any kind of panic about it. There's never any kind of suggestion that we're going to come up against a team that we really, really can't break down. That You know, the days of going to, to Livingston, to Tony Macaroni, and knowing that they're going to park the bus and fearing that you're not going to be able to break it down are gone. Um, and that's that's basically, that's that's the thing I enjoyed most about it. And then obviously the, the scenes afterwards, you know, each player going forward and getting their song sung to them in front of the fans. Um showed you an awful lot it showed you the players engagement with the fans but it also showed you that every member of this team and this squad is valued you know mm-hmm. you get Aaron Moy getting a song even though he's not the most glamorous of players it's very easy to sing about Kyogo that scores all the goals and Jota who's the flair player and and Joe Hart who's the big stopper at the back but some of the the workhorses in the midfield like Aaron Moy even they are getting their, their flowers at the moment and it's really good to see yeah it is great. It's great to see, and I'm going to. Um, you're talking about an engagement. You're talking about a connection, Colin, between this group of players, Ange Postecoglou, and us as supporters. Um, and I guess that when you look through, I always reference Martin O'Neill's team. I, I reference Tommy Bonzi's team. Um, I think with hindsight, I look back on the achievements of Gordon Strachan's side and Neil Lennon's side, um, who I didn't enjoy watching them as much as I enjoyed watching O'Neill's and Bonzi's sides. Um, which is ironic in that we didn't actually win much under Tommy Burns. We won one trophy, never won the league. I loved watching the team. Um, what does this side mean to you, Colin? What does Ange Postacoglu's team mean to Colin Watt? <laughs> uh, probably words you kind of say at this time in the, the day, Paul, to be honest. it's. I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I've been spoiled as a Celtic fan. So anybody sort of about, born around about my era, so I, I was a 93 baby, so... Anybody sort of born round about then, you've only grown up with pretty much success from Celtic Football Club. Anybody born sort of between five and ten years earlier, you guys lived through the the nine in a row era, um, and you'll have understood more what it means when you're looking at a team that's finishing third, fourth in the league at times. Fifth, yeah, even worse. And I went through that. Went through those times. Whereas for me. It's, it's always, I mean, I, I got to grow up and watch the likes of Henrik Larsson, John Hartson, Chris Sutton, Alan Thompson. Um, I watched a fantastic uh, video on YouTube last night and it was um, some of the last-minute goals, some of the best last-minute goals you've ever scored. 
And one of the ones that came up was the comeback in the Scottish Cup under Tommy Burns when uh, Pierre Van Hooydonk scores, I think it's the 88th minute, and then Andy Tom scores right on the 90th minute. And then just seeing the the scenes behind the goal and, and the stand, things like that. We, we've experienced a lot of that under Ange as well. And we've got to watch this football that's been really entertaining on the eyes. And even though you're, you're kind of looking at it and you're going, right, OK, like yesterday wasn't our best performance, there was still... When you look at the two goals, there were two very well-worked goals. And you just know that we've got that moment of magic in it. And it just takes me back to that commentary of that game where it says that it was Pierre's 26th goal of the season or something like that. Mm. And he hadn't done anything the whole game, but he can pop up at that moment. And then Owen Coyle, quite slack, gives the ball away and Andy Tom gets in for the goal. That's the ability that both these teams had. It's just now in this era, Celtic are able to play with that flair and play with that dominance and actually put the points on the board. And unfortunately for Tommy, in that era, against a team that was living well out with their means, he wasn't able to do that. And it's a real shame looking back on it. But it is two quality football sides. And with how far football's changed over the last 20, 25 years, it's very difficult to compare the two of them. Yeah, it is. What about yourself, Laura? Because I think, you know, we're, we're living in these times and you've got to celebrate it while you're in it. I mean, Sean fairly comes in to say, Ange said, celebrate all that is good about Celtic. This is our life, champions. Um, and, you know, from, from day one, that press conference that uh, we were invited to when Ange was unveiled, there was a few snippets in there that you thought, wow, this guy isn't just giving your usual stock answers. He spoke about being an immigrant coming over um, from Greece to Australia. That, that's that been in the news again over the last couple of weeks. And so you thought to yourself, right, is he going to get it, like properly get it? Not just get it because it's a big club and he's seen us as a stepping stone and he'll say all the right things. I think there's been a, a genuine nature about Ange Borsakoglu since day one. And I want to talk, Laura, about the uh, interview that he gave after the game. Now, we were obviously uh, broadcasting live at that moment in time and um, I couldn't hear it. I was watching the footage but I couldn't hear what he was saying. And then I watched it back afterwards and there was a moment where he's had to stop what he was saying because he becomes so emotional. He's talking about the sacrifice of his wife and kids and the fact that obviously when you take a job on like Celtic, it's a 24-7 environment where you never switch off, you never stop, you know, going back to his mantra. Um, but that, that post-match told us a hell of a lot, Laura. It told us how much it means to him it, it, I think it told us how emotionally attached he's become to the club and us as supporters. Um, and it was very unusual to see Ange getting emotional like that. But, you know, in the, the cold light of day today, I think it's a positive thing because it shows just how much this means to him. Yeah, I think um, him getting emotional like that showed that he has values that that are are worth having. He, he appreciates the importance of family. He appreciates the importance of thinking of others um, as well as yourself. You know, he's aware that in order for him to sort of indulge his um, passion of being a football manager and, and, and working in football, it requires his family to make a lot of sacrifices that a lot of fam families wouldn't be willing to make. A lot of families wouldn't be willing to live thousands of miles from their from their from their close family. A lot of families wouldn't be willing, let's face it, to come and live in 
dreary Scotland when they could be living anywhere else that's got um, a little bit more to offer in terms of weather and lifestyle and that kind of thing. So I'm sure he appreciates that. But, you know, Thomas Burns, ironically, um, on the comments I just saw there said, um, don't take this for granted. And and it it speaks to what Colin said. Um, I don't think Colin falls into this category, certainly, but there will be folk of his generation who take for granted um, the success that we've had. Um, And I was sitting there yesterday watching that, thinking not only back to, um, you know, watching years and years of not getting trophies and things like that, but, you know, um, sorry, um, from a personal point of view, it's, you never know who was there for your last one. You never know who's going to be there for the next one. So it's just uh, important to enjoy the moments while you have them. It definitely is, Laura. Uh, yeah. And I think that yesterday brings all that home because Celtic kind of bonds every single one of us. And like you say, it brings back these memories um, of the good and the bad. And I think, you know, when we're looking at taking success for granted, um, you know, some people in, in the, on the socials yesterday, because obviously on Facebook in particular, Colin, you've got guys and girls who support other teams. Right? I think when I look at my Twitter, it's the vast majority of people that I've got on Twitter are Celtic fans. Mm-hmm. Facebook, it's people you know who might support other teams. Teams like Dundee United, Dunfermline, Hibs, few Jambos, Mass Street's fully Jambos, incidentally. Um, and yesterday I was getting that thing where it was, yeah, you guys, you just take success for granted. I never got involved in any of that, to be honest with you. Because Brian Degnan and I talk about it all the time. We're not entitled to anything. We're not entitled to a point. Never mind the millions in the bank. Never mind, you know, all the records that we opened up the show talking about, Colin. We're not entitled to any of that. If you want to talk about entitlement, talk about the coronation. Talk about what they um, feel entitled to take from the UK public. Don't talk about a football team that over generations has built a brand. They've built a fan base. They've built a community. And they've built it on solid foundations. And from that comes success. We're not entitled to anything. No, we're not, and I think yesterday shows that. I mean, it could have been so easy for everybody to just go, yeah, brilliant, another league title, it's in the bag, that's number 53, we move on and we go for it, we go for it next year. The outpouring of fans yesterday showed how much this club means to its fan base, and when you've got that connection, and when you've got that manager that, and i seen somebody in the comment section saying it's so overused, the, the, the term he gets it, but what more can you really say about Ange Postacoglu? He's a man who he sees Celtic one as a job, but also as a lifestyle. He's the, as he spoke about how much his family's given up. And by the way, his family are into every bit as much as he is. The stories I've been told about how um, people are maybe out and about and they don't want to interrupt Ange when his family and his wife's like, no, no, come on, come on, come on over, get your picture taken and she'll take the, the pictures for them and stuff like that. She's loving it and enjoying it as much as Angie's. And you could see that he understood yesterday what it was all for. Seeing the players happy, seeing the fans happy, it makes those last-minute winners up at Dingwall and those tough games at home against Hibs where you've got to fight back and all the crap that he's got to take from the press. That's what it makes. That's what it's all about is that outpour of emotion yesterday. Mm. And 
do you know what? See when he joins the the illustrious list when he gets that trophy on the third of June, he'll have earned it. And what I mean, he gets it. That is the bottom line. He gets it. There's so there's so many people that come in and say, "I'm a Celtic man. I, I grew up a Celtic man." We know Ange never. We know he, he he's deeper than that. Yeah, because he. I mean, I heard on um, Super Scoreboard the other night there was David Carswell who does the fantastic Tommy Burns story. Mm. He was on talking about it and he was saying how the Ange had appeared at uh, the first run of the show and stuff like that. And any time there's something. Celtic related, Ange Postecoglou is always there, and it's he's, not, he's not been at an actual night like, but I, I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll definitely be at one in the future. Well, I'm going, I'm going to the Jackie McNamara night, so I'm sure Ange will know that, and he'll think I'll go and say hi to Laura. <laughs> that's that's an open invite for him. But Laura, are you here? Are you here to sing the Jackie song? Because I've been asking, and I've not got a single person who wants to come on and sing it. Is that Listen. why you're here? Listen, I'm not going to do it on the show, but um, to anybody going to that night out, uh, get a couple of Magners in, mate, and who knows? Who knows? <laughs> there's, there's always that live intermission that Laura can get up on stage. So, <laughs> I think, um, Listen, I, I think you've nailed it there, Colin. <laughs> see, see, going back to that, though, I mean, Neil Lennon, obviously, a Celtic legend for his, his playing days, his management days can be up for debate. Um, Tommy Burns, Celtic legend, player and manager. Billy McNeil, Celtic player and legend and manager. Ange Postecoglou comes in almost under the Jock Steen banner of someone who knows what Celtic is, but someone who's worked hard, who has embraced the club, embraced the style of football, embraced what the fans want to see and becomes a Celtic legend. He's one of the very few that comes in, not as a Celtic man, but leaves permanently as a Celtic hero. See the thing, Colin, you, you opened that up by talking about um the overused terminology of he gets it. But if you imagine, for example, usually it's through work, you were to move somewhere, say you move to the States or, or whatever it might be, and you're trying to integrate yourself within a community, so you, you maybe follow the local soccer team, right? You're into um ice hockey, right? Speaking so of which, to... by the way, we've got mm-hmm. Lewis Morgan to get to, but we'll get to that. Oh, yes. We oh, started off. called him out last week, Laura. He did. He, he, he did, actually. He the ends on your dobber of the week. Well, yeah. okay, that's fine. If, as long as somebody's done it, that's fine. Yeah. Right, so last week, Lewis Morgan was dobber of the week. This week, it's is it Jens or Yakimakis? Probably. I mean, it's Jens. Yeah. Yakimakis didn't start it. It's Jens, but yeah. <laughs> Right. And if you were to move to Canada, for example, Colin, and you had no affiliation to any of the local clubs, but you wanted to get into maybe something that was a regular occasion with your wife and your kids and you um, associated yourself with a local club, right? If that was me, I would have no emotional attachment to that club. I might go for entertainment. I might go to get the kids out of the house or whatever it may be, but I would have no, no connection to the club. And this is what I'm getting at when we say he gets it. Ange Postecoglou was not a Celtic fan. He spoke about the fact he was a Liverpool fan and Dalglish was signed from Celtic, so he had a knowledge of the club. He had a knowledge of football anyway, so he knew all about Celtic. He wasn't a fan. But I think the connection comes from the fact that, you know, when you see that picture of him as a wee boy with a number 24 card in front of him as an immigrant, you know, and, and you think to yourself, he understands the, the roots of this club. He understands what it means not to just choose Celtic because it's in the locality, but to be born into a family who for generations have supported Celtic right back to the formation of the club, where there is no choice. 
It's just, you know, it's like your surname. You're born into it. Absolutely no choice whatsoever. You don't choose your religion. You don't choose your surname. You don't choose your football club when you support Celtic. And Ange gets that. He knows that it's not just about going for a bit of entertainment, win, lose, or draw, you come away home and, you know, you're getting the burns out of the house for three hours. It's nothing like that. It, it yeah. is, it's a, you know, it's not quite a matter of life and death, as Bill Shankly says, but, it, you know, it's tears of joy. It's tears of despair. It, it affects your moods for days and weeks and months on end if you're doing badly or, or well. That's yeah, what he gets. Absolutely. And I just want to bring up John Duncan in the comments having a go at me comparing Ange to Jock Steen. You're not listening hard enough here. That's not a direct comparison. What we're saying is, is this is people that have came to the club who were not Celtic men, but are people who understood what the club is, understood what the philosophy of Celtic is, and then went on to have great success. Strachan. Gordon Strachan. as well. Yeah, 100%. Now, Ange Postacoglu could be here for another five years. He could be here for another 10 years. He could go on and eclipse some of the stuff that Jock Steen's done. We're not saying he's going to do it. All we're saying is what you said there is someone with no connection to the club who came in and understood what the club's all about. And, nobody's and he's embraced doing, it. And nobody's doing any direct comparison. Listen harder. No, but I think a, a more recent comparison would be Strachan. Gordon Strachan, when he, when he came to Celtic, you know, in terms of Scottish football, you think Aberdeen. Now, I know he was a Hibs fan. Uh, he started his career off at Dundee, but he had great success at Aberdeen. He follows Fergie to Old Trafford and he has uh, a level of success with Leeds United, etc., etc. But when he came to Celtic, he had no real link to Celtic. In fact, people used to go back to, um, was it the 1983 League Cup final? Scottish Cup final, where Roy Aiken gets sent off. And uh, McGee, McGee scores the winner for Aberdeen. Uh, you'll not remember that, Colin, because it was uh, 10 years before you were born. 10 years before my time, yeah. Uh, my, my old fellow would have been at the game. I'm not sure if he lost a samba that night, but um, he, he did often come home in a state of uh, undress. And he was one of the original Jota double denims, by the way. Didn't he quite have a mouser um, or a mullet? He had a middle shed like Sean Ryder, and he still got it. In fact, it was more like Tommy Tommy Coins. Uh, but the point stands, Strachan came in with no link to Celtic, and you'll remember that moving speech he gave on the park after season number four where he was stepping down. And he actually said those words, didn't he? I, I wasn't a Celtic fan when I came in, but I'm a Celtic fan going out. And now when I think of Strachan, I just think of him as a Celtic manager. And you, you see, he's got that connection. He comes back. He's obviously he helped out last year looking behind the scenes to see where he could come in for it. It's, it's one of those things where I think he got a tough time from a certain element of the fan base, Gordon Stratton, especially when the football wasn't the greatest. Um, and when he left, there was quite a few people, especially in the, the, the kind of area where I sit, that were calling for his head, despite the success that we had. And that's probably one of the more difficult times you've had as Celtic fans under that uh, sort of era where we had to cut back. And it's, obviously we still had the success on the park. We still got some some great players in under that era. Guys like Jan Venegura-Hesselink are totally underrated. Uh, Barry Robson, um, Paul Hartley, the, the work that they did to get us in there getting to the last 16. And I think when you look back on it, his period at Celtic is completely underrated. There's so many 
people that have come in. And I don't know whether there is that connection of he wasn't a Celtic man and you give that Celtic man a bit more time. That unconscious bias, as we've spoke about on the show several times, that they get that extra couple of months to prove themselves because they've got that Celtic connection. Yeah, and it could be it could be difficult as well though because I, I think it's been admitted that that was the reason Neil Lon- Neil Lennon stayed as long as he did, mm. um, because of that. I think Dermot Desmond spoke about that. But the point you make about tracking, Jim Moore says very interestingly, pound for pound, the debate is pound for pound, uh, who is best to O'Neill and Strachan. I think it's a great debate. Um, I much preferred watching Matt O'Neill's team, but you look at the record, particularly two last 16 um, campaigns under Gordon Strachan on a restricted budget. It's got to be remembered. We had yeah. to we had to reel that in, Colin, because it was out of control for, a, for a period with wages and, and yeah. uh, the, the team that had been built by O'Neill. We couldn't we could not sustain that. No, and Stevie Boy saying in the comments here to get rid of O'Neill's team of winners for his own vanity, he didn't. We, it just wasn't sustainable. This is the period where Celtic went from getting to the UEFA Cup final and making a massive loss to restructuring and actually putting in the foundations for the success that we're continuing to see just now, both on and off the park. We had to get to that stage where guys like Chris Sutton, John Hartson, where they were on twenty, thirty-five thousand pounds a week, that had to go. And we had to bring in guys like Scott McDonald, who were earning a, a, a lot less, but could still do a job for Celtic. Mm-hmm. And I'd it be interested to that know, stage. Sorry, Laura. Sorry, I'd be interested to know if if the commenter thinks that uh, Jockstein kept the Lisbon Lions out of his own vanity, because he always said in the years afterwards that the biggest mistake he made was not breaking up the Lisbon Lions immediately after 67, and that's even with us getting to another final in 1970. So I'm totally in agreement with you. I'm sorry to jump in, but I, I just... I, I think people forget through rose-tinted gra- glasses or green-tinted glasses, if you want to put it that way, that, that Martin O'Neill's team was pretty much done after Seville. That was the peak of what they were going to do. They had to be split up, they had to be broken up, and something else needed to be built. The issue that he had, of course, was um, I think we had a really good Champions League run the following season, um, but he couldn't go out and strengthen the way that he had initially over the first two seasons. Uh, there's no way we were going to be plucking players out of the, the Premiership. He tried it, he brought in Bellamy, but it was only on a loan. Um, so yeah, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with comparing where we are now to successes of the past. But what I want to know as well, well a couple of wee things to talk about regarding the game, and we'll finish it off, I think, by where are we going next uh, with Ange, because we are on a journey with him, there's no doubt about that. I want to talk about the penalty, right? Um, our penalty by the way, know that other one because it's been brought up here as well that there was another penalty shout in Scottish football and I'm pretty sure you've seen it but I want to bring up a few of the comments, Davey O'Raw, Harrow Shamrock CSC um, thank you for joining the stream we're about 950 live brilliant on a Monday, Mark Tyler as always, um, hail hail afternoon champions, it is great uh, to know that we are the champions again, that's what all those cold, wet winter nights mean yesterday. Yeah, you're right. And then you see it in the sunshine and um, with the pyro and the smoke and all that kind of stuff and everybody's happy. And uh, we Kyogo comes out and does his wee dance and all that kind of stuff. We love it. Right. Let's talk about the penalty then because in a first half there yesterday, Colin, um, I think Liam made a very interesting point at half time. We almost looked a bit nervy. We mm-hmm. almost looked a bit nervy. We didn't really get into our flow. Um, I think Laurie makes a great point. Naismith, love him or loathe him, he approached the game well, he played a really high line, he got 
um, us on the back foot. If you looked at the um, the actual, you know, the possession areas of the park, most of their play was coming down the left. They were targeting Anthony Ralston, not because he's a bad player, but due to the fact he's only appeared 13 times this season. So they're targeting him. They're maybe seeing him as a, as a weak link of vulnerability. Kobayashi, he's still settling in, so they're maybe targeting him. But we soaked it up. Mm-hmm. We soaked it up. And then there's a moment, and it's from the toe of Ralston. Great wee dink. Sometimes a wee dink over the top is what you need to break a, a, a stubborn defence down, Colin. And Maeda is on to it. Now, this is how I see it. There's one question in relation to whether or not that was a penalty. If he's not impeded, does he get a shot at goal? That is the only question you need to ask yourself. And if he gets a clear shot at goal, it's a goal-scoring opportunity. He's been impeded. It's a red card every single day of the week. Now, I felt slightly sorry for the boy, Cochrane, because I thought that he had had a good game. I thought he would played well up to that point. But I've got no sympathy because I'm just ruthless when it comes to football. It's a red card. I don't think it was soft. And I've seen the um, reaction to that online uh, from high-profile radio broadcasters, etc., etc., saying, aye, but Andy Walker said it was near red, and Chris Sutton said it was harsh. So what? That's not how a decision's made, Colin. It's, it's made based on the rules of the game. Would Maeda have been in a goal-scoring opportunity? Was it denied by that player impeding him? Yes. Red card all day of the week. What did you think? I'm glad we're talking about a red card because when you said penalty, I'm like, what have I missed in that first half? Did I say penalty? I, yeah, I was, I was going to have to get back and watch the highlights there. Um, I meant red card. I meant red card. Look, in terms of following the rules of the, the game, it should have been a red card at mm. first. However, following the rules of VAR, was it a clear and obvious error that he was overturning? I don't think so. Because he's looked at it at the time, he's evaluated... Who was there? Who was there to cover? He, at the time, thought it was a yellow card. The person in the VER rooms told him to come back and look at it. And the the rule is that you've got to have a clear and obvious error to overturn it. My opinion is that the Scottish referees are far too soft. It's almost as if a head teacher said to them in the ear, that's not right, go and look at that. They've looked at it again and went, are you right? And 99% of the time, every time the... Sorry. I almost contradicted myself. 99% of the time, when they go to the monitor, they come back and they say, right, I, I was wrong, it's a penalty. Right, it's a red card. Right, it's this. Right, it's that. I think they've got to actually show a bit of a bit of balls, to be perfectly honest, and go with their own gut decision. A bit of kutzpah. Yeah, I mean, if he thought it was a yellow card, but I can understand wrong. the reasons behind it. But they reckon that Maeda was not in control of the ball, there was people in there that could have covered it. Was it denying of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity? I don't think so. But going by the rules of the law, it, it should have been a red card. Is it another one where the referee makes a mistake? Yes. Has VAR covered his backside? Yes. Mm. Was it a clear and obvious error that he overturned? No, it wasn't. And that's part of the problem with VAR just now. You remember uh, Beaton getting sent off at Ibrox in the 1-0 game? Um, and by the way, that was just that was the game before Dubai, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. It was in the January. And uh, when I when I remember watching that pre VR, of course, I'm watching that thinking to myself, was it Julian that was in in the centre of the park? Yeah. And you're thinking there was cover. Yeah, there. you would have got back for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But watching the, the situation, and I apologise for saying it was penalty. What I meant was red card. When you look at the pace of where where that's happening, 
once the ball drops, Maeda's got a shot. So even if that person, the, the heart centre half, immediately makes a beeline for Maeda, the shot's already been taken. So, um, you know, I, I think the reaction to that, again, it's all right, Celtic are struggling to win, Laura, so they get the red card and everything's good. I didn't really see it like that. You know, I felt slightly sorry for the guy because he played pretty well. But again, he's impeded Maeda. It's, it's a red for me. What, what do you reckon, Laura? I, I'm kind of more on... Uh, Collins side as far as it's concerned that it's not a clear enough error for me for VAR to get involved and the rule is VAR has to get involved um, if it's a clear and obvious error. In my opinion he made the decision you could have agreed with it, you could have not agreed with it um, but I would have thought it would have had to be more obvious that he was preventing a goal scoring opportunity to actually make it a red card I would have I, Put it this way, had it remained a yellow card, I don't think it would have been a talking point. I don't think people would have been saying that should have been a sending off. I might be wrong. The other way of looking at it is the VAR referee had enough grounds to get involved in terms of what he thought he saw. So I'm I'm kind of stuck, but I'm, I'm kind of going down the line of if the rule is that it's got to be a clear and obvious error for VAR to get involved, I don't think it was clear and obvious enough to get involved and to get him sent off. Whether it would have made a difference majorly to the outcome of the game, I don't know. But that's my opinion on it anyway. That, that's the problem with a lot of these rules. They're so ambiguous that it comes down to interpretations of what's... There's no like letter of the law, this is it. And especially when it comes down to that yesterday. I mean, clearing obvious errors that we've seen on VAR, there was a couple in that game that never even went to VAR that I'd have loved to have seen again. Naismith on Jota. At, yeah, it was stuff like that. But you're looking at it at the time when you're going... That, that, that's something that they should potentially be looking at. But then this gets highlighted and it becomes the major talking point of the game. And what did you prefer, though, Colin? What did you prefer, Jota on Naismith or Lustig on Cazinha? Uh Yeah, probably. I know you like quiz. Yeah, yeah quizzes. Um, but see, when you, you think about it, Paul, see if it happened to us up the other end and that was mm-hmm. Kobayashi or it was Taylor that was doing something like that. We'd have been saying it was accidental, there wasn't enough contact, he wasn't anywhere near the goal. I think it's very, as you say, we talked about those green tinted glasses earlier on, it's so easy when it's going in our favour to say yeah, and with everything that's went up against us this season, then you can say, right, this is starting to be the sort of squaring up that everybody says you get before the end of the season. I can understand it being a red card, and as Laura says, I could understand it being a yellow. Nothing surprises you in Scottish football now. It's just the way it goes. Willie Collum, um, I think ever since Peter Grant called him out at our event the other month, um, has performed heroics and started implementing the, the, the actual rules. Um, so, yes, that, that was a massive talking point. As you say, Laura, who knows what would have happened had he not uh, been sent from the field of play. I want to talk about Kyogo in a wee setting, but a big shout-out to Jim Kerr, who, you know, who knew that Simple Minds were touring Kurdistan? No, it's Jim Kerr, a long-time viewer, of Axel, welcome to the show, pal. And uh, you're dialing in to watch it, and it's it's incredible to see you touring about the place, but always uh, finding time to watch the Celtic state of mind. Um, and James Livingston, big shout out to you for not calling it uh, Castle Grayskull. A lot of people call it Castle Grayskull. It is indeed Snake Mountain. Who takes the field next weekend? We're going to be talking about that as well because uh, Liam had a very interesting take on it yesterday. Um, I'm more looking towards the fact that we're uh, record breaking. Um, in relation to points and goals and uh, 
I wouldn't be going uh, to Ibrox with anything other than a full strength side, just my opinion. Uh, but I want to talk about Kyogo first and foremost, because he's a type of player that people might say, well, maybe it's time to give Ola a start next week. Kyogo scored his 30th goal, which was his 50th in a Celtic jersey, Laura. Um, I think that there's a few elements to this goal. The first one was, I thought Kyogo and Hatati were playing relatively poorly at the, at the stage where the goal scored, yet they too are the uh, creators of that goal. Uh, I also think that Callum McGregor, at that moment, decide I'm just going to take the game by the scruff of the neck, and he plays the initial pass. Um, and I want to know also what you feel about the fact that he's got five games left and, and how far can he take this? Because I was looking at this this morning, um, and I know Colin also likes his stats, but in the last 20 years, there's only been two players who have scored more than 32 goals in a season for Celtic. And those two players were, of course, Henrik Larson and Lee Griffiths. And that's in the last 20 years. So Kyogo could be joining um, an elite club of three to have scored more than 32 goals. So how do you play it um, against Rangers following on from that question? Um, and how important was the contribution of Callum McGregor to that goal as well, Laura? I think the, the major thing with Kyogo is he can do... It's like Colin was talking about um, Pierre Van Hooydonk before. Um he can do very little for a lot of the game, but as long as he's on the pitch, you you think there's maybe a goal in there somewhere, and that's something that's absolutely invaluable to have. It's it's really um, it, it's something that you can't quantify exactly how dangerous it makes a player because the the defence are always thinking if we fall asleep on this guy, then he will be um, he will be a, a danger to us, and and I think he proved it again. Um. Do I think he can get there in the next five games? If he plays all the games, then absolutely. Um, but whether and decides to do a bit of swapping about now that the league's done um, before the cup final, that that's another that's another matter. Um, as for Cal McGregor, I mean, yeah, he was great in that game yesterday. Um, I don't know what else to say about the guy. He's just well, put it this way, he's. Certainly from my lifetime, he is the captain, he is the engine room of my greatest Celtic eleven that I've seen in my lifetime. He is number one on the team sheet as far as that's concerned, apart from maybe our man Henrik. Um, but he's up there in terms of what I think of him as a player and I hope I hope he does a Paul McStay and never leaves and uh, hopefully ends his career on a little bit more of a positive note than Paul did with regard to injuries. Um, but you know, his reputation among Celtic fans couldn't couldn't be stained. Um, it was interesting what he said yesterday, though. The, the interviewer asked him after the game, "Did he think this team was on was heading for as special a time as as the one with Roger as under Rogers?" And I know Rogers um, got the majority of the quadruple treble, but I personally love this team more. Mm. I do love this team more. And what's weird about it is, I love this team more. And yet I wouldn't really care if any of them left either because it's all to do with the manager and him knowing what's right. And I trust that if a Juranovic leaves, a Johnston comes in, that that exact type of thing. And I think it would happen with any player. Callum McGregor aside, he can stick with us. Everybody else, you know, I've really enjoyed watching them. But, but you know, I trust the manager to to keep this going for as long as he wants to. A few interesting points there, Colin, right? Because, yeah, 
I thought the same when McGregor was talking after the game. It was like we've got we're heading in that direction. I think something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing when uh, the comparison to the Invincibles came up. Interesting enough, Colin, when we were talking about past teams, whenever we mentioned Brendan, Brendan Rodgers' mm-hmm. team. Let's not forget, uh, obviously, the change that he made when he came into the club was vast, and that was a big part of that was the culture um, of the club and the players within there. Another interesting point Laura makes is around, um, you know, it's all about the team. It really isn't about individuals anymore, is it? And if one leaves, you bring another one in and, and it continues that um, that success. Callum McGregor, if he does stick around, we were looking at some of the stats because, you know, his games have been kind of loaded at the end or the most recent period of his Celtic career, not so much as a 17-year-old like Paul McStay, but if he was to continue in that vein for as long as Scott Brown, for example, played for Celtic up to the age of 36, McGregor would, uh, you know, be right up, right up heading towards, you know, number two in the, the all-time appearance list and all that, if you took it as an average. Um, so in relation to some of these points, Colin, the first question I'm going to ask is, does McGregor make it into your start 11? Best team that you've seen? Yeah, yeah, he would, yeah. Who's playing um, alongside them? No, beat him. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, though. You're no kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> Oh, in terms of quality or in terms of longevity? Blacks out at left back, yeah. Oh, definitely in both. Right right back. Um, (laughs) Probably Petrov would go alongside them. I think those two would have been a great pairing in the midfield. Callum doing the sort of the the dirty work and getting the ball and spreading it and Petrov going box to box. That would would be a great pairing between the two of them. Would this McStay play? I never saw McStay play. Oh, dear me. No. That's a shame. That is a shame. Um, a few really interesting points coming in. You know, Sullivan, hail, hail, nursing a hangover. I feel your pain, Ian. After heavy celebrations with the Cork number one CSE, we had a fantastic day. Well, hopefully that is resolved. What, what's the best cure for a hangover? Anybody? What is the best cure Sleep. for a hangover? Sleep. Sleep, Sleep and food. Yeah. Pint, pint iron brew and a rolling screw sausage. All right. Sleep. Slice. Oh, come on. No, we're not having any of that slice nonsense again. <laughs> Franny Weldon, welcome, Axon Champions again. Great having Laura on today, mister. Yeah, we've all missed you, Laura, and um, it's great to have you back. Danielle had an incredible day yesterday. Um, thanks for getting involved in the chat. And here's one from K. Matsu. Loved both goals. Let's, let's go into the second goal, which were typical Ange Ball goals, right? But the most memorable moment of the day was all photobombing Ange's interview. Do you see that on Sky Sports? Now, the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up, Colin, is I asked Laura about Kyogo. And, you know, we can kind of start focusing on, like, personal goals and try to get more goals and, and points than ever before, going for world record trebles, etc. Is Ange looking at it and thinking, right, I just want to win the next four league games leading up to the Scottish Cup? Or I want to give Kyogo a bit of a rest. I want to bring in, oh, he's not had enough game time. How is he going to view the next few games? Is there a wild card in there that might get a start in the Scottish Cup final? It's a bit of both, I think, in terms of Ange. Ange wants to win every game. doesn't matter whether it's a friendly, doesn't matter whether it's a competitive game. But he knows that to do that, he's got to take care and use his squad. He's not been adverse to making a couple of changes here and there. And I think we will see all getting some game time between now and the end of the season. And you saw he gave him the 45 minutes when um, Jurgen Klinsmann was there watching him as well. So mm. he fully appreciates what, what's got to be done. Um, I think O oh, again he's he's so raw he is unbelievably raw just now but you can see when he's on 
it's shit like that ball across to him. He gets in front of is it Rowles or Rowles or whatever he's pronounced. He gets across him, beats him, and gets the goal. And that's it. You can't teach that. That is just striker's instinct. And to have that raw ability is brilliant. But there's so much of his game that he needs to work on. He's got some great touches. He's, he can link up the play. But when you compare him to the likes of Kyogo and even Jack Marcus and what he could offer to the team, he, he needs to develop so much. And I don't think we'll see the best out of O for maybe another 12 months yet. I think we, we have to persevere with him because he's very, very good. But he needs to be nurtured to get the best out of him. And a game at Ibrooks, again, although there's nothing, um, there's nothing sort of to play for to an extent. Uh, I just don't think it's something I would throw him into right away. I think if you can get sixty minutes out of Kyogo, he'd be the guy I'd put up front just for um, that experience. I'm expecting that. And by the way, I think also, I've mentioned quite a few times the physical change in Hitati uh, since season one to season two. You know, he looks a lot leaner. I think we've seen a change in O as well since he's come to the club. Um, I brought that up because obviously, Colin, we're talking about hangover cures, a rolling slice up at Parker's perhaps, says Paul Andrew Martin. Um, but Scott would go for a strip of Valium and a King Donner kebab. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's taken me probably 40 years to figure out how not to get a hangover. But uh, I, I do remember a shocker, Rooney, probably the, the worst one I've ever had, was on holiday um, 20 years ago. And uh, the only thing I could face at breakfast the next day was um, fresh pineapples. And see, within about five minutes, no hangover. Celebra- Sheer luck. Celebrated your 40th heart then, did you? <laughs> I said 20 years ago. <laughs> Dear me. <laughs> Um, yeah, so pineapples, fresh pineapples. I don't know what's in there. There's probably some chemical in the juice. Hangover, going like that. So get stuck in about that, son. Um, what about yourself then, Laura? I mean, oh, he came in, he made an impact. I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that that, that goal was made by three subs. Haksabanovic to Moy to O, goal. Um, and it shows, A, the decision-making of Ange Postacoglu. Of course, he's used the substitution so well this season, but also the, the quality of the squad. You looked at that bench yesterday and you knew that, you know, at that period of the game, if you needed a breakthrough perhaps or something to clinch it, we had the quality on the bench. Yeah, uh, I said it uh, the last time I was on match coverage. Um, I think that's the big change this season for me is the, the quality on the bench. The the fact that we can turn to the bench and if needed, change the way that we were playing. Um, we didn't need to change the way we were playing yesterday, but we could bring somebody on who would score. And um, that's something that I hope we build on through the summer. You know, this is about, we've talked often enough about Celtic resting on their laurels in these situations. What we need to do is build from a position of strength and hopefully the manager does that during the, the pre-season and we've got an even stronger squad, not just in the first 11, not just on the bench, but throughout the, the supporting squad that are going to be able to come in and, and repeat. Listen, the thing is, AGSC uh, comes in as well. He hates the comparison of Angie's team to O'Neill's team. It's something that, you know, I've heard even the press talking to Neil Lennon or Martin O'Neill recently. They've asked him the question. Um, AGS, he thinks it's absurd. Rab Douglas, Ulrich, Larson, Peta, Hedman, Jamie Smith wouldn't get near Angie's team. I, I have mentioned that. I didn't think O'Neill had the depth, certainly, that Angie's got. Uh, you look at the bench, it's, you know, in the final in Seville. We didn't have the same kind of quality. 
Um, and for somebody like Hartson not to make the final was a massive, massive loss. I think that yeah, there's big players in Angie's team, but just about any one of them, just about any one of them could be replaced. We've got a much deeper squad. However, um, which Rocky film was it where they put it all into AI and they fed all the details in and Rocky was fighting some other world champion? What one was it's that? Rocky 6. Was it Rocky 6, right? Yeah. That's what you need. You need some kind of simulation device. Fire all the stats into Championship Manager and that will tell, probably end up 540 Martin O'Neill's team or something like that. Just a I, bit of fun. I tell you what, I get PTSD every time I see Magnus Edmonds' name. That night in Bayern. Bayern Munich. Oh... Now that was the season after that I was referring to, wasn't it? So that yeah. that was a Champions League campaign. That was the only Camara season. Yeah, we never won an away game in okay. Europe. We had a chance um, to win both of them against uh, was it AC Milan and no, Bayern Munich. We had Bayern Munich, Lyon, and I'm sure it was Anderlecht, mate, because was I remember John scored the Lyon game. Then Lyon they scored in the 86 minute to beat us three two. Yeah, was it not Janinho? That scored for the other Janino. Just Magnus Hedman throwing the ball into his own net. That was was 2-1 that night. And then the other game away from home is Anderlecht and Vincent Company was playing centre-half. He was 17-year-old. And they beat us 1-0 and Hartson scores with, I think, four minutes to go, Colin. And it's chopped off or offside. So it was was like we we were nearly there. And at that point, you had to go out and get some more quality in. And we didn't. And that, I think that's where the, the downsizing began. Pearson in January, and that was the only signing. And as you've already season. mentioned Henri Kamara. There was also players like Michael Gray came in, remember, mm. on loan. Um, so we just weren't getting the same kind of quality in. Um, there was a point about Snake Mountain earlier. I don't know if you were a Masters of the Universe fan, Laura, but uh, I certainly was. That's how young I am, young and sprightly. Um, Rangers, how do you treat it? Liam yesterday was saying he's not interested, player reserve team. I'm far more of the view that, no, 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 no. I want the biggest points gap. I want the most goals, the most points. People think that's parochial. Oh, you just want to be better than Rangers. No, you just want to be your best. And whilst I like the fact that we've got a few games where you can maybe bleed in Avata for a game here or there, or O, Haksabanovic, etc. I think we start that after the game at Ibrox. Laura, what's your thoughts? Go out and get them scalped. This is a victory lap. This is this is proof that we're better than them. This is proof of how much better than them we are. You can leave all the other stuff, the reserves and that, the remaining games. This one, you go out and you embarrass them. That's my opinion anyway. I like that. <laughs> I know, I do like that. See, see the ones that will turn around and say, ah, oh, I don't care. If we get beat, I don't care. You're lying. You are lying through your teeth. Because any game I lo- that Celtic lose to them, don't talk to me for the next couple of hours. <laughs> you're lying through your teeth if you think that... Or days. Yeah, exactly. If you think that you're like, oh, it's all right, we'll, we'll just give them one. No. Beat them. Scalp them, as Laura says. Enough of that. The headlines. They've not, they've not beat us this season. Do we no. want to just throw Whitewash. that away? Whitewash. Because, you know, the... the- Comment we made at the beginning of the show column is about people with daft headlines like Rangers can win the treble, copyright Neil McCann 2023, or the gap isn't that wide, Kenny Miller, just the other week. It gives them ammunition, by the way. Mm-hmm. Not that they're to be listened to, but it gives them ammunition to continue with this incredibly absurd narrative that, uh, you know, they're not that bad. 
And the thing is, Paul, we're only four points ahead of them in the Michael Beale League, so it's another trophy we could wrap up this season with a victory. <laughs> exactly. Derek Ruark, um, O is a big boy with a good heart and desire to win and be integral. And it was good to see him during the week out on a wee social with uh, some of the boys. I think uh, Jota was there. Wasn't sure about his get-up. He was wearing a, a kind of pastel pair of shorts, socks and all that kind of stuff, Colin. He's a fashionista. There is no doubt about that. Now, when you look at the squad as well, you know, in the park, Laura, looking at them all celebrating, um, it's at that point that you are looking for our version of John Terry, which was Marvin Compere, and you're looking at guys like Connor Hazard and Ben Segrist, who has gone AWOL, and we've never seen him for weeks. Scott Bain, who's a, who's a bench warmer. And there's guys like that on the periphery of the squad. And then you look at a discussion Colin and I had in depth. We looked at all the loanees. There's 12 out there. How many of them are coming back? And then you think to yourself, well, we might we might actually get rid of nine or ten of the loanees. We might still get rid of three or four of the first-team squad. If you think about Connor Hazard, Stephen Welsh, James McCarthy, who isn't even in the 25-man squad. I never saw him anyway. Um, you know, And potentially one of the other goalies, Segrist or Bain. Before you know it, you've got 13 players leaving the club, none of whom, by the way, are contributing. So they're no great loss. Um, there might be one. We think about some of the stories circulating around Abada. There might be one who is contributing to the first team. And that's 14 players. And I think that when I look at that, because most of them leaving aren't playing anyway, if you can replace that, Laura, with four or five quality players, then that is increasing the quality of the, and the standard of the squad, the depth of the squad, and it's increasing your chances of improving on next season as well. It's it's trimming the fat and building muscle is what it is, um, if you want to use a workout terminology for it, and that's exactly what it is. You're getting rid of people who are contributing nothing anyway, but 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 bringing the quality of the squad down and hopefully replacing that. Even if you replace, like you say, thirteen players, taking people off the wage bill of the caliber of of James McCarthy in terms of what he earns, replace that with two players who are of better quality who can contribute more. And I don't see how you can go wrong doing that. No, that's the way I'm looking at this summer, Colin. You know, and then. We've also spoken about like the second generation of uh, Kobayashi and Awata and O and even Haksabanovic, guys who probably haven't had you know twelve or, or fifteen games in a row, who might turn into what we're seeing with Matt O'Reilly and Hatate, who are getting the the real player now. We've seen glimpses of it last season, so I, I just think you know the way that we're now recruiting and the way that we've got a conveyor belt. Um, and we're into this kind of groove. It's it, it bodes well, even if we lose a first teamer like Abada. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, what we've got to remember is, although we've got this success, although we're going for five out of the six trophies, we're still in a rebuild phase. We're still there's still players that are there from the previous regime that we're still trying to get off the books, as you've mentioned. There's still his own players that Ange wants to get in. There's still players that came in and have done really well that you wouldn't say are necessarily Ange Postacoglu's own style of player. Like Joe Hart, who made his 100th appearance yesterday, he could potentially be one of only two players to have ever won every trophy in England and in Scotland, the other being King Kenny. There is a lot of rebuild and a lot of fine-tuning still to be done with this squad. What was that, um, what was that stat about King Kenny? Sorry, 
Colin? If um, Joe Hart wins the, the Scottish Cup, he'll be mm-hmm. one of only two players to have won every trophy in England and in Scotland. The other one's King Kenny. Three players. Who's the third? He's one of only two Celtic players. There oh, is a third. Okay. There is a third. There is a third. And I liked him until he signed for Rangers. Oh, okay, fair enough. On, Andre um, Kanchelskis. Really? Uh, he's a quiz answer for everything these days. <laughs> if you're struggling, just say Andre Kanchelskis. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, there's still a bit of fine-tuning to be done to this squad. And as you say, potentially 14 out the door, four or five in. You'll then be looking at January or who we're going to bring in then to plan for next season. This rebuild's ongoing. The thing about the nine-in-a-row team that probably was one of the major reasons that we didn't win the 10 um, was the fact that there were so many players there that we just didn't get forward planning for. How long did we wait for a replacement for Lustig? How long did we keep on to to guys like Scott Brown, even though he's a, a legend, but we never really had a replacement for him? No. There was players that we knew wanted to leave that we kept on to, and then the guys that we brought in, we needed them to hit the ground running right away. Otherwise, we had the season that we had. So the fact that we're getting guys like Awata, like Kobayashi, like Owen now, the fact that we can keep this cycle going, for me, as long as we continue this and as long as Angie's here, it's trouble for the rest of Scottish football. It's succession planning, Colin, and it's something we should have been doing for years. Uh, a, a quick shout out to you, John, because I know that you're in on the comments a lot of the time and I don't see you live. You're talking about uh, Rocco Vat. I think he was unfortunate at the weekend because Abada was back, but also because Carter Vickers was injured. So we needed that cover with Lawal on the bench. So, yeah, hopefully we do see Rocco Vata at some point before the end of the, the season. Um, I want to give this jersey away. This is uh, modelled on a Borussia Dortmund shirt from the 1990s, I think. Um, beautiful Adidas garment. We've obviously embroidered uh, a shamrock on it. And there's a, a really funky retro number 11 on the back as well. Check that out. So this is a concept jersey. We've had some artwork done um, with Tom Rogic wearing it. Do you want to win the shirt? Colin, give us something. Give us a question. We'll give it away right now to someone who is in the comments because to comment, you need to subscribe. So if you want to subscribe to the channel and make a comment, you can win this jersey and we'll send you some other wee freebies that are lying about the studio. Here's one that will um, lead us into some conversations about games coming up this week. Okay. Who scored Celtic's winning goal in the Youth Cup final this week? First person to comment, you can win the top. You can bring the comments up, can't you, Colin? Yep. Is that a, a lady mannequin? Yes, it is a lady mannequin. Thanks for uh, pointing that out. Opinionated Glaswegian OG. Does that mean opinionated Glaswegian or original gangster? It used to be original gangster back in the day. Right, there you go. Um, who can answer Colin's question? And then you can get in touch with me. Give me your address. I'll send this down. We'll throw a few f- freebies in. Who's the first one to get it right, Colin? Not had the right answer yet. We've had man of the match, but we've not had who scored the winning goal. <sighs> Anybody? Uh, well, I, I'm not winning it because I have no idea. Franny Weldon. Franny Weldon. Now, Franny, <laughs> we've got a few bits kicking about in the studio. We'll put it in a nice wee parcel and we'll send it to you, my friend. So all you need to do, Franny, is to email me your details or if we follow each other on the socials, and I'm sure we do, um, DM well. me. Well done, Franny. Well done, Franny. Absolutely. <laughs> nice play on words. Right. 
Uh, PaulJohnDykes at gmail.com is the email address if you want to email me about anything, anything at all. Colin Watt has introduced me to someone who uh, is going to play a big part, Colin, in a new Axom show coming up, and we will be supporting mental health uh, because there's going to be a nice uh, partnership. So that will all be announced very, very soon, Colin. Anything else that you want to send through to us, anything you think we can help with, email me, DM me, all that kind of stuff, all that kind of jazz. Uh, we're always open. We'll come back to you as soon as we get the message. So, Colin, thank you very much for your Quizmaster question. I really appreciate that. And, uh, Laura, lovely to see you back on A Celtic State of Mind. Uh, it's been great having you on this Monday. And uh, the 1,000 or so who got involved in the chat today and, and got involved in the live stream, thank you as well. If you want to come and meet us and see Jackie McNamara and see Laura singing, uh, his name is McNamara and my name is McNamara then come along yeah. to Gracie's end of this month ticket link underneath are you coming along Colin? Uh, I might I, I might I need to check the, the date out I've got quite a few things on this month but um, he's oh, a busy man I can't, I can't believe you're finishing off without covering our favourite topic on a Monday what's the favourite topic on a Monday? another three points in the bag for Fran Alonso's girls and a, another headed goal from the one and only... 95th minute? 95th minute. See, I do pay attention. Yeah, she, I, I mean, I remember back a couple of years ago when I got the opportunity to go and watch when Celtic qualified for the Champions League for the first time yeah. um, through at uh, Erdry Stadium. And I remember interviewing um, Kelly Clark and she turned around saying that Caitlin Hayes would heed her own granny to score a goal for Celtic. That's nice. how much it meant to her. Um, and you could see that yesterday. It was absolutely fantastic. It's a massive, massive game. If Celtic's got any chance of winning the SWPL on Thursday night, they come up against Glasgow City. It's free for all Celtic season ticket holders. All you have to do is go online, go onto the e-ticketing website. If you're not a season ticket holder, it's only £8 and under-16s are free. So it's a great one to bring the kids along to. Um, I think... At the minute, it looks as if there's a good couple of thousand fans going to be there, so it should be a really good atmosphere on Thursday night. If you can't make it, it's live on Sky Sports Football as well, but um, looking at the fixtures, there's still every chance that Fran could turn this around and we could be talking about not only the men's team being the champions of Scotland, but also the women. Fantastic. You might see the Celtic end in full flow as well. uh, It looks really busy as well. It looks as if it's kind of um, close to being packed out. So, yeah, it's it's a great great thing for the the women. I think the record for Scottish football is currently 8,000. So Mm. if we could beat that on Thursday night, that would be great. Was that at Tynecastle? Yeah, that was a, that was another one where they gave away the tickets to season ticket holders for free. So, Brian, it'll yeah. be great to see. It'll be fantastic to see. Uh, well done to uh, Franny Weldon who joins the stream on a regular basis, and thank you to everybody for getting involved. As I say, come along and see us uh, at Gracie's at the end of this month. Jackie McNamara will be in conversation with my good self. That's me that's saying that. Laura is going to be singing. Colin's going to be on the. <laughs> The backing vocals is going to be a great night. And there's going to be other prizes as well available on the night. All that's left for me to say, Colin Watt, Laura Bradburn. Thanks for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
Social Podcast Network.